Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. <laughs> You're on the crazy train. Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 1057 FM, The Fan. That's right, folks. Get your tickets punched right here on the crazy train. That's the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors with Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer. Evan Heffelfinger sitting in today for part-time Nick Bodie, who's still sick. He's really down with some bad stuff. And uh, we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. We are live. So, you know, you are part of this show. So if you want, if you have questions, comments, whatever, 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Or you can catch us at the Smokies Inbox by emailing us at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, so uh, I got my morning coffee there in the old break room, and I grabbed a cup. I wasn't paying attention to what kind of cup I got, Tom, but it's got hearts on it. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if this is like some Valentine's Day cup. Probably. But listen, to, here's yeah, what's on I, the side. Sweetheart, yeah. honey bun, precious, sweetie, baby doll, pumpkin. Tootsie. Tootsie's on here. Darling. No, Tootsie Wootsie. Tootsie Wootsie. Oh, my God. You picked a Have good one there. Have you ever called your wife Tootsie Wootsie? No, not that one. How about Hey Toots? No. Haven't you heard that? Isn't that a little disparaging if you go, Hey Toots, come on over here? I, yeah. That would I've be ne- bad, right? never used that. That would no. be bad. But I've he, called her Sweetie a lot. <laughs> that's lame. Sweetie. Everybody says Sweetie. Well, How about Pumpkin? Yes, I have called her that. You call her Pumpkin? Every now and then. You know Ron Johnson? Him and his, his girl, wonderful wife, Michelle. Yeah, he always calls her Pumpkin on the phone. Okay, Pumpkin, yeah. all right. I call my wife a lot of things sometimes. <laughs> she thinks a lot of things about you. Pumpkin, why would you call someone Pumpkin, though? I don't know. But think about it. If you're going to call him like a, well, first of all, is a pumpkin a vegetable or a fruit? I think that's a vegetable. Well, it's got seeds. Yeah. It's like a tomato. Yeah. So if they got seeds, it's a... Fruit. Fruit. Right. So pumpkin's a fruit. No, I mean, excuse me, it's a vegetable. Vegetable. No, wait a minute. Well, tomatoes are f- fruits. Right, because they got seeds inside of them. But so do so pumpkins cucumbers, do but those are vegetables. Huh? No, I don't even <laughs> want to get anyway, into it. Anyway. So why would you call them, if you're going to call them a fruit slash vegetable, why would you call someone a pumpkin? Because pumpkins are like big and round. Are you like saying they're fat or something if you call them pumpkin? No, I think no? it's just a term Wouldn't of endearment. Would you be better off to call them like banana? No, I something slender. Whenever I pick my wife up a for bean? work, I always, I used to like call her something different every time I picked her up, 
you know, like, hey, honey glazed donut or something, you know, something weird, you know. Oh, you know, just so flipping around. You'd call her a honey glazed donut. <laughs> or whatever. You know, I just come up with different things. Yeah. Hey, listen, Tex. You're a, you're a romantic guy. Yeah, I, yeah right. Yeah. Uh, listen, Tex in the big rig sent me an email this past week about something I had said. And then when I thought about it, I said, oh, yeah, actually, that was wrong. Okay, a number of years ago, Danny. Okay, here's the comment. Okay. The comment was that gobies spend the majority of their life in like four feet of water or less. Well, when they first came into the Great Lakes, uh, especially up there in the Bay of Green Bay, uh, according to the DNR, that was true. They spent a lot of time in shallow water, okay? And uh, and I never really thought about it. I just remembered that the DNR saying that. And that, and I regurgitated that last week, and Tex said, hey, I've, I've caught them down really deep. I forget how deep he said and then I remember watching a Larry Smith show when they were fishing for whitefish on the Bay of Green Bay, and they were down in 20-some feet of water, 30-some feet of water, and they ca- caught some gobies, you know. So I guess gobies can go a lot deeper uh, than what they used to or what the DNR thought at the time way back when. And, you know, it was just, you know, how you read a lot of stuff and it just sticks in your head, and then all of a sudden you regurgitate it, but things have changed, and I wasn't thinking. So. After, Thank you, Tex. After a decade of your espousing knowledge, yeah. Tom, this is your first mistake. Uh, and I, we'll, I, we're all willing to give you a pass for it. Well, thank so you, Mr. Don't, Bush. Don't worry, buddy. Uh, every now and then. I'm sure it won't be my last mistake. No, I get know. people. Uh, no, let's see. No, who I was won't. it that tells? Oh, Troy, my buddy Troy. Uh, he always says, boy, that Tom, he knows his stuff. Well, I get lucky. You get, you know? you get I your, get lucky. Definitely know your bass. That's, well, a for, that's a for sure. Got to know fish. You know, it's kind of like in the formula for fishing success. It was a seminar I used to do a lot. Uh, it was called the Formula for Fishing Success, Guaranteed More Fish, Any Kind of Fish, Anywhere You Fish. And uh, basically the first thing, and it was a takeoff of Al Lindner's FL&P system, okay? I borrowed it and just expounded on it a little bit. But the first part about it is knowing your fish, knowing the fish, where they go, what they do, you know, understanding, reading a lot about them, you know, fi- trying to find out as much information about fish as you can. And because you know that, you know, they move around. They do different things different times of the year. Now, granted, we'll never figure them out exactly because when you think you got them figured out, then they throw you a curveball and they're, they're nowhere to be found, you know. Right. I mean, but but the thing is, is generally speaking, if you understand the species of fish that you're after, you're, you're more apt to find them, you know, and hopefully catch them, you know. So just understanding the species. Understanding. You know? Yeah. To catch a fish, you gotta think like a fish. No, I no? would not do that, because huh? fish don't think. Fish don't fish, think. Fish react. First of all, their their brain is about the size of a pea, and so th- is mine. <laughs> well, so is mine. But, I can think. <laughs> but the thing Sometimes. is, their little brain, what it does is it, it keeps them breathing, kind of like our brain does. We keep breathing if we're, even if we're sleeping or unconscious or right. whatever. You know, it keeps everything working, right? But uh, fish react to things. They react to their environment, you know, whether it be the the water temperature, whether it be uh, the sunlight, whether it be the depth, uh, whether it be, you know, when they're feeding, they, they react to things. Just well, like, I think, you know, how there's reaction baits, reaction lures, yeah. and that they'll just strike it out of a reactive in, uh, response, you know? Yeah. So 
you know, because I've had people try to tell me that they don't think that, well, they say, like, let's say a muskie gets caught a couple times on a certain bait. They don't think that the fish has any, they don't think, they, they'll just grab it again. And I, I think that maybe they don't think in reason, like a person, like, hey, you know, I, I remember that yellow bait last time. Uh, right, didn't feel yeah. so good, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but I think it's kind of like uh, Pavlov's dogs yep. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have a fly that keeps trying landing on your plate, and you swing at it three times, and miss by the by the fourth time. As soon as you go to raise your hand before you swing, the thing flies away. I think mm-hmm. there's a defense mechanism that all innate the creatures mm-hmm. have, where they don't even realize it. But I I, I think there's just a natural defense um, where they a pattern of, yeah. of of I think you know not I, that they necessarily are thinking about it. You could get arguments, good arguments for both sides of the coin. I think uh, because. You know, it's happened in the past where you catch a, a northern, let it go. Ten minutes later, you catch it again, you know, let's say with your lure right. in its mouth and that it broke your line. I mean, it's like, do they remember? Or like you said, it's something that they're not even, well, they don't think. So it's something that they're not even thinking about or whatever. It's just a built-in response, you know. Uh, right, conditioned to danger. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Now, is that true? Is like, that not true? I, You know, I, I don't think anybody knows for there was sure, a, uh, but... One of the earliest muskie telemetry studies yeah. uh, was actually held up in Canada, I believe. And I want to say it was on Lac Sul or somewhere up there. But, but one of the interesting things I read was there was a muskie that had been uh, caught and put a transmitter on it. And uh, they were using a yellow boat mm-hmm. when they originally got the fish and tagged it. And from that point forward, as soon as that boat got anywhere near that muskie, it would, like, hightail it really? out of the area. Really? Yeah. They never, I don't think they recaptured and caught it again. Uh, but it it was amazing to read that it definitely, from what I read, it seemed like that fish had an avoidance for that from that yeah. point forward. I, I mean, I can see that happening. I can see it happening, you know. And, you know, maybe some, maybe it's uh, Darwinism, survival of the fittest, because maybe some fish do or mammals do deer whatever and others don't but the ones that do are the superior ones that pass their genetics on mm-hmm. and are the ones that tend to survive and get as, bigger and get bigger <laughs> yeah. as opposed to the ones that don't don't pay attention and <laughs> get caught and killed by the yellow boat yeah. again yeah you know it, it, some people say oh those bass they uh, bass or whatever fish they got they got big because they're smart well no they're not really smart but you know you ever notice how like little fish, whether it be little pike, little bass, little little fish will grab a bait. I mean, immediately they're just on it immediately. And it seems like the bigger they get, unless they're in that prime feeding window that they're grabbing anything on. Otherwise, they take their time. They come up to it. They look at it. You know, well, like with the wacky worm, right? You know, they they see it. They swim over to it. They look at it. Okay, it moves. Okay, now I'll eat it. You know, they don't jump on it right away. Whereas little fish, oh man, they're They'll be on it. It's like they're not thinking. You know what I mean? Or they haven't learned that that response yet, or or whatever it is in a fish's world. You know? It's it's yeah. I've seen muskies follow a sucker for yeah an hour. Every time I pull the sucker up, that muskie still got his nose on its on its yeah. tail, but won't grab it. Yeah. 
Now, why what's is, it? Why is that? Yeah, they free, know it's good to eat. Yeah, it's free food. Are they there just is. are they just sitting there waiting till they get hungry and got that staked out yeah. so they can grab it if they want? Who yeah. knows what they're thinking? Or do they detect something is a little bit irregular? The yeah. fact that it's got a a hook in the side. Yeah. Doesn't look quite natural enough. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, because, well, of course, they don't know what hooks are and leaders are and line. You know, they don't know what that stuff is. But like you said, it's something different. It's like, it's not natural. It's not right, you know. it. You know, yeah, it's just it's just not right. You know, yeah. So Well, it, it, anyway. same with game, too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my buddy Scott was the one that pointed this out pretty good. If you walk into your living room, and uh, you walk into your living room, and let's say your wife has moved a couch or a painting or whatever, and you stand there for a second like, wait a second. What's wrong here? Something's, yeah. something's different. And that's yeah. the thing, too. Like, for deer, all of a sudden, that stand might have been up there in the tree all year long, but all of a sudden, there's a silhouette in there. Yeah. And they're, wait a second, you know, they're, they're quick to detect a, a, a change. Last year, yeah. I had a... Almost got a crack at a nice buck. Um, it was, uh, I had my crossbow that day, and I found a, there's a nice uh, scrape that runs along the edge of a field. I've never hunted it before, but I finally thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going to just sit 40 yards inside the woods up on a little ridge and, and watch this scrape. There's got to be, you know, bucks running it. And sure enough, right before dark, here comes a buck. I thought, this is too perfect. I put the crossbow up. I thought he's going to step into the trail. But what I had done, Tom, was I had cleared a lane. Spent me took about an hour. Mm-hmm. Thorns, everything else. I just cleared like about a five-foot lane down to the edge of the field where the, th- the trail would cross, and he would step out into that opening. And do you know that it, it stopped right before that opening? And turned around, went back 10 feet, and then cut into the field. And I was talking to somebody. I thought to myself, what kind of innate, uh, you know, did that thing just luck out? I mean, instinct. But I was talking to somebody, and he said, you know, deer don't like stepping into an opening that all of a sudden wasn't like there before. Right. You it know what different. I mean? It was different. It was changed. Was diff- it was yeah. changed. Now, yeah. now, if that opening is there all year long, mm-hmm. you'll probably be used to crossing it. But for some reason... It didn't want to step out, and I think it's because it was new. Yeah. And it's like wow. it, it, amazing. They like to stick to their cover yeah. as much, despite the fact that it was going to be in a wide-open field. Yeah. Immediately, once it left, um, it, it just yeah, it was amazing. I didn't get my shot at it. Wow. That's, that's weird. Hey, after this commercial, Dan, I got to tell you a bear hunting story. My son Nick was bear hunting oh, last week. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, well, I'll tell you about it right after this break, right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for listening this morning. Uh, we want to thank the uh, law enforcement officers out there protecting us, the first responders coming to help uh, help rescue us, uh, military people keeping us all, our country safe, and all the Joe Average working men and women out there working hard to keep our country great. Well, Nick. Oh, Nick. Well, Dan, I'll yep. tell you about Nick. What do you got there, Okay, Toots? Nick was up bear hunting. And uh, what was really terrible was the weather. The weather was terrible. 
poured rain, 30, 40 mile an hour winds. He says it was blowing like crazy. So he's sitting in a tree with this going yeah, on? Yeah, and as a matter of fact, uh, you can turn that down, Evan. <laughs> there we go. What? <laughs> Is it too loud? Or? Yeah, a little yeah, bit. A little loud. Yeah. Tom can't hear himself. I so. couldn't hear myself think. Well, then well, again. he's an old guy, though. Yeah, yeah. He hears any little background noise. Yeah. So. Throws me off. Throws him care. off. Well, anyway, so the the wind was so bad, and he said the rain. He says, I, he says, I'm prepared for that. That's no big deal. He says, but the wind was so bad it was moving his tree that he's in back and forth. I've been there before. And and he said, and then he said, I almost pooped my pants. And I said, why? What you, what happened? He said, behind me a little ways, a oh. big tree snapped from the wind. And there was this big, loud crack, and he said he jumped and well, not jumped Jump, in the buddy. tree, but yeah, his, and then the and then it fell and boom, landed on the ground. <laughs> he said, "Oh my God, it was terrible," but he said, "Yeah, it it was just the weather was terrible." So when the tree falls in the forest, it does make yeah, a sound. Yeah, it does. But here's the weird thing: when he got out that morning, it's still dark. Now his father-in-law walks out with him to the stand, and. Uh, Make sure he's up there and everything's okay. Then the father-in-law goes back to the shack, okay? Back to the shack. So my son is watching the father-in-law walking back. Okay, he's cool. He turns back around and looks, and by golly, there's a bear right on the bait. But it's a little guy. It's like a yearling, okay? At first, he thought it was maybe a cub, but no, it was like a yearling. But it was just a little guy. He wasn't going to shoot that one. Okay, fine. So the yearling looks around, does whatever, and walks away. Then out in the distance... In, in a little opening that he could see, there's a big one. Ooh, that's a good one. Now, their bait, bait pile was getting hit constantly. They baited a lot, and it was always being hit. He's what, Now, he was telling me how bear will circle an area, you know, like the bait pile. They'll circle it to make sure nothing's around or whatever yep, yep. before they come in. <clears throat> well, he says he saw it, and then he's waiting, and he doesn't see it, right? And then, oh, there it is over there. He sees it again. He's real quiet. And that's when those two guys started talking, like I told you during the break. Really? Yep. Yep. Two yep. guys started talking and... Well, it. actually, one guy had a... had a, Well, he turned his head... He must have still had it on at that time. It was just just right at sun, sun up, you know? So this is and, in the morning. He's yeah, this there. was in the morning, yeah. This was on the third day, yeah. Um, the first two days, the weather was just miserable. And I guess Bear don't move around much when it's that miserable they're, they're way too smart for that yeah they, so know, they so anyway so he's bear, bear hunting today so is he using a weekend. rifle or yeah yeah he's gonna use a rifle. he couldn't get a crack at that one when it was circling him no it it i don't know if it was too far or what well, the woods I is don't pretty know. thick this and time it is of year. thick yeah it is thick but anyway but at least he you know he saw a good one that was shootable you know but just didn't get to where he wanted it. So maybe this weekend I'll hear good news. I've shot two bear in my life, and mm -hmm. the first one is in 1988 up in Canada. Uh, I and a buddy from Green Bay drove there, and, uh, oh, that was the thirsty whale trip where we stopped, mm -hmm. got head stuck in Woodruff for a night. The last night of the hunt, I, I went to a different stand because some guys from Iowa had left. They got discouraged, hadn't seen anything all week. So I go into this stand, my buddy Eric goes into another stand. Sure enough, that last night, he actually hit one with an arrow, uh, a big bear, and lost it. And I remember when we, when we got to the 
you know, to the trail where we, we were, we were going to split up and go to our stands, he, he looked at his 300 win mag in the back of his mm-hmm. truck and said, I wonder, he, he grabbed it and says, maybe I should just take this. And he goes, nope, I'm going to take my bow. Yeah. And then later, of course, he was lamenting the fact that he thought. You wish you would have had, had the, the rifle. rifle. Yeah. Now, I was, uh, I was up in, I had terrible asthma at the time. I couldn't breathe. I was coughing and sneezing. I'm thinking there ain't no self-respecting bear going to come on into my stand. And uh, it's about 9 o'clock at night, and it's still light. You know how it stays light up there? Yeah. It's like the first day of June right, or something, yeah. right around then. It was like 85 degrees. You'd just be sweating. The bugs were miserable. Oh. You had I had gloves on and then t- duct tape around my, or, or uh, electrical tape around my sleeves yeah. to keep the bugs from, you know, in, in full head net oh, on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd breathe them in. It was terrible. All you heard was, yeah. I think it would have drove a lot of people nuts. But... Uh, I thought to myself, ain't no self-respecting bear going to come in with me coughing and wheezing like this. And all of a sudden, uh, I saw a little uh, red squirrel come racing by my, under my feet, and the woods got strangely quiet. It was just weird. Every, it got really quiet, and I, I thought, I'd always heard that, look in the direction that the little animal's running from, and I look to my left, and there I see jet black coming in like just silent into the stand. <laughs> It's it, it amazing how quiet they can unbelievable. be. Unbelievable. It's just like a black ghost moving <laughs> through. And I looked away. My heart was pounding. I looked away, deliberately looked away, silently. I didn't click the safety off. I kind of put my thumb on the other side yeah, and okay. eased it off. Yeah. Took a deep breath and kind of glanced over my left shoulder. And there it was, right in the bait pile. Yeah. And then I terminated with extreme prejudice. I hit four <laughs> shots with a 306, 165 grade Sierra boat tail. Uh, I hit it all four times. It went rolling after the first shot, and I just emptied. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to have it have a chance to get up. And yeah, I, I probably should have quit after the first shot. It kind of messed up the height a little bit, but I got the bear by gosh. And it didn't run too far. <laughs> no, it died right under my tree. I literally had to climb down and oh. step over it oh really deliver it was right underneath oh wow underneath my tree and i thought it it all happened in seconds and i thought holy cow i got a bear Mm -hmm. it gave the death moan which was really kind of weird i guess Mm -hmm. that's the air escaping their lungs sure yeah and the other two memories i have of that tom is i i dragged it out to the trail i drag it about 10 yards lean my uh, rifle against a tree, take a puff out of my asthma inhaler, yeah. drag it another 10 yards, take another puff. Oh, I mean, I was co- close to death there. I probably shouldn't have even been out there. And uh, then once I got it out to the trail, a skunk was coming down the trail, right? And I, I thought, I don't want any skunk coming by me. So I took a crack at it at about 50 yards, and it disappeared. <laughs> well, as it turns out... I did hit the skunk somehow, somewhere, because yeah. when they came out the next day looking for the bear that my buddy had wounded yeah. with the arrow, they picked up the blood trail of the skunk, oh, thought no. they were trailing the bear, and <laughs> found a skunk. So that messed up the trailing there. Oh, but geez. the other thing, I'm sitting there, and uh, you know the st- sun, I mean, clear sky, the stars coming up, and I'm sitting there, and I see this snowshoe rabbit coming through the, wo- through the uh, woods, and it's half white. And half brown. Okay. And it comes on up. I had a bait pail with some bread with molasses on it that I'd used to refresh my bait stand. And so I had that bucket with the bread with the molasses. I'm sitting in full camel. That thing came two feet away from me, got on its hind legs, and stuck its nose into the bucket 
yeah. looking at the bread with the molasses and started kind of chewing on it. And I didn't, make, I didn't move. I didn't move. I mean, I could have reached out and grabbed the thing. So I, was, I thought that was pretty cool. That's funny. That's funny. Um, well, we got other stories so now coming you're, up. So huh? Nick, so Nick hmm? hasn't got a shot yet. How, long, yet. how much longer is he going to stay up there? Well, I told him you waited eight years. You better go up there again, you know. I mean, take advantage of it because you might have to wait another eight years. So I think the season you know? runs into October. Yeah, so he's he's up there this so weekend. Now the dog guys are probably running him as well. That might be. And sometimes that could be beneficial if they're on somebody else's land and push them over to your area. You know what I mean? I mean, you never know. Where well, what you go. said about him seeing that little bear is not uncommon. From what I understand... The bear will start to pattern like the guys who are putting the bait out. Yeah. Especially if, like, let's say a four wheeler comes in, drops the bait off, and leaves. Then the way to do it is when you're going to hunt, have the guy drive you in on the four wheeler, right? Drop yeah. you off and leave because right. that's kind of like the dinner bell, right? That the food's set out, you right. know, buffet's out, and they come you know, in immediately after. That's a good idea. I should bring that up to, to them. So. He yeah. might be better off actually having somebody walk in with him well, he and does. leave. Well, that's what they do do. Uh, yeah. No matter who's hunting for the bear, somebody always walks with the person who's hunting, you know, who's got their permit, waits till they're up in the tree and secure, and then go back to the shack. You know, that way, right. if anything should happen, you know, right. that there's somebody there, you know, Has just in case. He got his safety harness on? Oh, yeah. He's, he's ready with all that stuff, yeah. He got, nowadays you got to be. All right, Danny, we got to take our, a break. Uh, coming up next, folks, is the gut report. And don't forget, after the 645 break is the Hornschwoggle, where you can win some really nice prizes. We'll tell you more about that later. But right now, the gut report's coming up next. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Evan Heffelfinger is on the boards. Evan, are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. <laughs> yeah, you look pretty pumped. You, you, you look, look pretty ready. pumped to be here. <laughs> yeah, he looks pumped. Yeah. You know, we about as exciting as a worm wrestle. Last, yeah, I want to get up on Saturday morning to be with these guys. Yeah, yeah that's what I want to do. All right, folks, we'll Poor be guy. right back right here on 1250 AM and 105.7 FM, The Fan. Come here, I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. <clears throat> Who doesn't like pork on a stick? I like Evan. You like pork on a stick, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Well, first of all, you got to marinate it, and this comes from Mad Dog and Merrill, our good friends. We're Channel Eighteen every Sunday morning at ten thirty. No, at nine thirty they come on. Anyway, Mad Dog and Merrill put this out. You take one pound of pork tenderloin, one tablespoon of mi minced garlic, one tablespoon of brown sugar. A uh, quarter cup of soy sauce, eighth a cup of white wine, and a tablespoon of grated ginger. Now cut the pork into about one-inch pieces, or you can make it a little longer if you'd like, whatever. And then you marinate it for at least an hour in that. At least an hour. Preferably, I would recommend three or four hours, but at least an hour. And then you place on skewers and grill over direct heat for three to four minutes aside. Mmm. Delish, and I have I have barbecued and grilled, you know, pork on a stick before, and it, and it's great. And you can make up uh, your own recipe. You know, these are the basics, but you can add things to it. You know, whatever you'd like. But pork on a stick, mm, what a way to go! 
The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you're going to find the best price, selection, and service at 51st and Oklahoma in Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow in Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to DiscountLiquorInc.com. That's a good one you picked out. Dan, Dan, Danny did it. All right. Sing it, Ted. Welcome back, Skipper Buds. Cutting Edge Outdoors. Right now, listening to this song, I can see myself creeping stealthily through the forest. Evan, you know the name of this song? Oh, I, yeah, you do. I, well, you're I do because it's on YouTube. YouTube you're looking right he's at the it. the guy I told to play it, Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can pretend uh, like I don't for the bit if you no, want to keep right, going. Yeah, 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 keep it going. Fred Bear. Fred Bear. Oh, yeah. wow. Fred Bear. Yeah. Do you know who Fred Bear was? No. <laughs> I, whoa. I know. That's a great question to ask. Uh, we should have asked somebody. Millenni- on a well, what would you? You're not a millennial. You're a Gen Z. I'm. I kind of count as a millennial. I'm like, uh, right around 95, 96. That's when I was born. That's the last year of the millennials. That's the last year. Yeah. And the next one was the Gen Z. Gen- or something so you're like a millennial Gen Z. Tom, I wonder. What do they how call many- us, Danny? Old farts? Old. No, we're baby boomers. <laughs> we were boomers. Yeah, that's true. We're boomers. We're the boomers, yeah. We're boomers. Yeah. So, anyway, how many millennials Gen Zers would know who Fred Bear is? I don't know. How many millennial Gen Zers does it take to put in a light bulb? Three. One to hold the light bulb and two to hurt, turn the stool. I'm not going to touch on that one. No. How oh. many? How many? <laughs> What's today's generation? Like the ones that are like in, is it still Gen Z? Like if they're like 18 years old? Oh, man, I don't know. I, I or think Ocasio-Cortez's generation there. <laughs> I think okay, she okay. counts as a millennial. Okay. Um, so could, then I for her, call her other it names would that be she counts as. how many millennials, or how many, yeah, is she a millennial? Is that what yeah, she'd be a millennial. How many millennials does it take to unscrew a light bulb? <laughs> okay. Because they're so into the... <laughs> They're so into the green thing. They don't want oh. any more light bulbs. Oh, yeah. They don't want them light You know, one yeah. unscrew it and the other to light the light the fire. Oh, yeah, they, they don't want any energy. We're all going to go. We're going to lose our power plants, light bulbs. Everything's changing. You could probably work uh, that Fred Bear thing into your horn schwaggle somewhere. Too late. They already hurt. Well, you know, maybe I could. Yeah, that gives me an idea, Tom. Oh, I got an idea, too, but you probably got a better one on that. Uh, I so. don't know, Tom. What do you hey, What do you got the there? What What uh, What's that thing in that plastic wrap? Are you saving that? Yeah. So, what is that? Top ten reasons why men prefer guns over women. Oh, okay. Get ready for the phone calls, this Evan. Get in trouble. Number one, <laughs> you can buy a silencer for a gun. Oh, geez. Number two, a gun doesn't mind if you go to sleep after you use it. Number three, <laughs> a gun doesn't ask, "Do these new grips make me look fat?" Number four, guns function normally every day of the month. Number five, a gun doesn't take up a lot of closet space. Number six, your gun will stay with you even if you run out of ammo. Number seven, your primary gun doesn't mind if you keep another gun for a backup. Oh, boy. Eight, if you admire a friend's gun and tell him so, 
He will probably let you try it out a few times. <laughs> Number nine, you can keep one gun at home and have another for when you're on the road. And number 10, you can trade an old 44 for a new 22. Am I going to have to get legal on the line? Top 10 <laughs> reasons why men prefer guns over women. Actually, I don't know. Somebody, I think maybe even Loie gave this to me. She likes it. It's up, yeah. This hangs on the wall at uh, by my place there. Really? Right outside her place. She goes, that's cute, Dan. Hang that up. Maybe she didn't give it to me, but I showed it to her. Yeah, yeah that's, I think uh, we shared that about 10 years ago. Probably. But it's a different world now. Yeah. We could probably get in trouble. Yeah, we. Yeah, who knows? Probably we might. Probably get in trouble. We we'll might. have uh, pickets. They'll be marching yeah. outside my place. Um, with, you know, like when they went to Castle Frankenstein and they went after him, right? Pitchforks and stuff, torches. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny like that you mentioned that, Danny. Like over the years, everybody calls – the monster, they call him Frankenstein. But he was really the monster. Frankenstein was the doctor, Dr. Frankenstein. And what he was working on to bring to life was called the monster. But everybody says, oh, you know, there's Frankenstein, you know, the monster. They call him Frankenstein when it was really the doctor's name, not that thing's name. The thing was the well, monster. I think I learned from watching Mel Brooks' movie, it's Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein. <laughs> and it's not Igor, it's Igor. Igor. <laughs> that guy. What, what What was his name? The guy with the eyeballs that went two different uh, ways? Marty Feldman. Feldman or something? Marty Feldman. Was, is that it? Yeah. That, that sounds yeah, right. Marty yeah. Feldman. And, and Igor, yep. Or is it a... No, that's right. And, Marty Feldman. And every time yep. Gene Wilder would see him, he'd have his hump on the other shoulder, it would, right? It would switch shoulders. It would switch shoulders. <laughs> and, and Gene Wilder would look at him like, what like we were talking yeah. about, you walk in a room and something's different. You yeah. all look at him with a quizzical yeah. look like, what's going on? And then, <laughs> then Feldman would look at him and, and smile. One, and and the, one eye would go off to the Both side. eyes. One, each eye went off to the side. And he'd look at him and smile. Oh, God, that was hilarious. And then, then, then I remember so when, the, when the monster came to, and it's like strangling Gene Wilder, and he can't talk. And Terry Gar, yeah. well, she was pretty good looking back yeah. then. Uh, she's there along with Igor. And he's trying to communicate with them, and he's doing like, like it's like charades, charades, yeah. right? And so give, give, okay, and him, him, and then finally it comes to give him the, and I go said, said, said what, and I go goes said a give, give him the said a give, <laughs> and of course it's the sedative, yeah, and they give it to him, and That's Gene a... Wilder grabs Igor after and goes said a give, <laughs> like you idiot. Young Frankenstein. What, a, like what to, a classic. You know, I had to go rent classic. that again. That's a classic. And they did it in black and white. Yeah, it was a classic. Hey, folks, we got to tell you that right after this break, you want to be a contestant for the Hornschwaggle, and it's brought to you by Carl's Country Market, known for its award-winning sausages, everything meat and more, at Pilgrim and Silver Spring in Menominee Falls. You might want to try that place out. If you've never been there, definitely. But if you want to go and get a $10 gift certificate, be a winner on the Hornschwaggle. Also brought to you by Baitmate Fish Attractants and Coleman Insect Repellents. Win a great price package from them, too. So this is really important, folks. Uh, call 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250 right now. Be a contestant for the Hornschwaggle. And you will be, hopefully, the lucky prize winner of a bunch of neat stuff. So call right now. This is the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. 
to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for listening. 799-1250 for hunting, fishing reports. But right now we have our world-famous Hornschwaggle segment. And right now, let's see, what do we got? Mike on the line? Is that uh, who we got? Okay. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Mike. Hi, guys. Okay, so you know how you've played this before, so you know how it works. So here we go. The 44 Magnum cartridge originate origin its origins were as a wildcat cartridge hornswoggle or no hornswoggle that's a hornswoggle no that's a no hornswoggle oh really elmer <laughs> keith worked on developing it uh based on bulking up the 44 special oh. and eventually it went into production and dirty harry helped make it famous okay uh shooting deer we're talking about shooting deer uh the liver a liver shot is a great place to anchor a deer in its tracks. Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle? That's no hornschwaggle. No, that was a hornschwaggle. Yeah, heart you, or lungs, right? You hit it. You hit hit a one in the liver, man, and it's likely to go. I had one go about a mile one time. I was lucky to find it through a through a swamp. So, oh, well, sorry too about bad, that, Mike. Mike. Well, but, I don't know anything about guns anyway, so okay. Give it a shot. All well, right. you gave it a shot. What do you know? Is fishing better? Is that yes. the okay? Well, <laughs> all right. Sorry about that. No problem. Well, have a nice day. Try, try, try next yep. week. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. All right. Well, next week. I thought the liver one wasn't too. I thought that one. I knew that one, but I wasn't sure about the the, the forty-four Mag. Yeah, Elmer thing. Keith was no. considered the father of the forty-four Magnum. I think, Danny, you might then, be uh, one out of... And Smith uh, & Wesson, I think, was probably the first of Chamber, the Model 29. Yes. You, Danny is probably the only person that knows that name, Elmer Keith, except for maybe one other person in southeastern Wisconsin. No, listen, anybody, <laughs> anybody no, who not, not anybody. reads about firearms <laughs> no, no. should know this. This is you, common you, knowledge. You, you and this one other like person. You and one other person. <laughs> I know Elmer Fudd. Does that count for yeah. anything? Yeah, sure it does. <laughs> we have to be well, we will be quiet because we're sneaking up on the wabbit. Elmer Fudd. I'm hunting oh, wabbits. Oh, God. You ever see a guy hunt with an Elmer Fudd hat on? Oh, yes. You ever see some guys go hunting I had that one. have like the dorkiest hats on? Yep. Right. Now, you're out in the woods, right? You're not trying to impress any chicks or anything. But uh, some guys go out of their way to look dorky. Yeah. that I had one of those, and I think I did look pretty dorky wearing it. Did you? Yeah, I had one. The, the red and black checkered hat with the ear flaps and that. You, know, you remember Johnny Carson? Johnny yeah, Carson would he used do to that, wear bit, that. Yeah. And he was like supposed to be Joe Average American, something yeah. like that. And yeah. he talked kind of like a hick. Yeah. He, it was hilarious. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing about those hats. You pull them down over your ears and put that strap under. I mean, they were nice and warm, you know. But Were they called like a Mackinac or a Chopper? Or... No, I well, think. Well, there's that one kind of hat up in Michigan that the yeah. train guy invented was... that's real expensive. Over at. Uh... You got those? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the I'm trying to think of trendy, the, the name. A, uh, they still make them They're up there in Michigan. They're super warm. Super and warm. You, and you can get them out of uh, rabbit fur or imitation fur. Yeah. Uh, Stormy Cromer. Stormy Cromer. That's it. Stormy Cromer. Stormy Cromer. Yeah, and they're made, uh, are they made in Michigan or are they made in the Northeast? No, they're up in Michigan. Are they? I think it's are like they? a little family kind of, oh. you know, kind of a thing. Speaking of the so UP, Danny. we got Stormy Danny. Cromer there and yeah. we got the My Pillow in Minnesota. Yeah. And... <laughs> hey, speaking of the UP, I, I learned something watching one of these, these shows about how the states were made, how the lines of the states 
were made, you know, because, you know, back then it's like, well, who said that this is the the the, the borderline of this state? It normally, the next like day? a river or something. Yeah, like a lot that. of times, but use natural boundaries. But 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 with Wisconsin, a lot of people wonder why did the Michigan get the UP? That should be part of Wisconsin. Is there a well, joke uh, behind this? No, no, no I was joke. Say it was it a joke originally about the UP. It no, sounds, we could come up or, with one. Yeah, originally the UP was part of Wisconsin. It was. But what happened was, this is right about when Wisconsin was becoming a state, okay? And Indiana took some land from Michigan so that Indiana got this port on Lake Erie and Michigan didn't get it. They moved the border north so that Indiana got the this. They, they just moved it. How could they just take it? I I don't know. Did states go to war back then? Well, that's the problem. See, they didn't. So they they just basically changed the borderline so that Indiana got this port on Lake Erie. Michigan didn't. But Indiana says, but we'll tell you what. We'll give you that north part. Now, like I said, Wisconsin didn't have much power or anything. They said, we'll give you that north part above Wisconsin. You can have that, and then you'll have a port on Lake Superior. <clears throat> so you can have that part. And they just took it. You just do it. They just did it. I mean, it's like, wait a minute. We should take it back. Yeah. We should take the UP back. Let's just put a fence around Chicago and call it Disneyland. <laughs> do whatever you want. Or put a tent around it and call it a circus. Uh, <laughs> we got to rip on those Cubs fans. And, you know, they're really going to be. They're if really, they don't make the baseball playoffs, they're going to be really upset. They're not going to make it. They're, no. they're born chokers. But yeah, the Brewers Even are. Even their wow. fans expect them to choke. Yeah. Brewers are doing great right now. You know, I got to take back what I said about the uh, Brewers two weeks ago when I said they're four games out now and there'll be four games out coming yeah, the end of the right. season. I said they are what they are. I, I got to take that back. I, I, I don't I, know what I'm talking about. I kind of thought this it was over. I kind of thought too. Yeah, but it's not. It's like those guys are, you know, Christian Yelich goes down and it's like those guys are just rallying now and, they're doing a heck of a job. Heck, and as a matter of fact, you can get uh, five burgers for five bucks at George Webb's today. <laughs> Evan likes that. <laughs> Council must have showed him the clip from Animal House when uh, Belushi goes, over, <laughs> over. Over. Was it over when the... <laughs> Yeah, right. When the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor, <laughs> it's not over till yeah. I say. That was classic hilarious. Clip. Yeah. Hilarious. Can you find that one, Evan? Can you find you that can clip? find that. Over? I'll, over? I'll see what I can do. Yeah, over from Animal House. Yeah. John Belushi. I don't know if yeah, you He got them it. all fired up. <laughs> yeah. It was a great motivational speech. Yep. Well, you know, whatever. It got the brewers. Something got the brewers motivated. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, my son Chris uses motivational uh, quotes uh, with his basketball teams, you know? Right. He, he uses certain quotes and then expounds on them a bit, mm -hmm. you know? To get the players fired up and whatever, right. and and he's got some really good. I I should ask him for a list of those motivational quotes, you know, maybe. Oh, is this? Did you find it? He's working on it there. He, Just let him. Let him. I'm, let him, let him do, knowing let him do John his... Belushi, I'm making sure that it's uh, clean. Oh, okay. For the he airways. wasn't bad Good. compared to some no, of the other wasn't. guys. No, no, I never saw know, him doing monologues I... where he was using the f bomb all the time. I mean, no. some of those guys—that was the only way they could be funny. But I'd like to make sure I 
keep my job for a couple more weeks. So I want to make sure it's uh, well, clean. Well, you okay. made me. You already okay. made me read this thing: the top ten reasons why men prefer guns over women. So you're already yeah, on the hot I'm, seat. I'm probably going to get you're a talking to you for that. <laughs> yeah, being as you forced our hand on that one. Oh goodness. Yeah. So where were you, Tom? Yeah, I, no, I was just going to say the other Belushi thing that I thought was hilarious was when uh, on Saturday Night Live, when Saturday Night Live used to be funny. Uh, well, now they're all political oh, dummies. Oh, it's just terrible. It's just, yeah. they don't even, they're not even funny. No, they're not funny anymore. But they uh, they had Joe Cocker on as a, a, a guest. Oh, you yeah, know? and Belushi did And then the... he comes behind him, dressed like him, and doing all his gyrations. And Joe Cocker didn't know he was behind him. Oh, I laughed so hard. If, if Folks, if you want to see a funny clip, that oh, is awesome. That, that is so good. funny. And Joe Cocker, he was one of my favorites back then, you know. Right. You know, he he's still I still like him and I still like his album Mad Dogs and Englishmen, you know. It's still a great album. <laughs> Mad Dogs and That's Englishmen. the name of it. Mad Dogs and Englishmen. All his hits are on there. Yeah. 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 He's in so, there. Anyway. Huh. Gotcha. So did you find it? All right. Yeah, here we I got it if uh... uh All right, here we go. Check it out, folks. What? Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough... He's waiting for him? Come on. The tough get going! Who's with me? Let's go! Come on! And, and he runs out, and nobody follows him. <laughs> and nobody goes. <laughs> that was his motivational speech. That was it. That'll get everybody yeah. going. When the going gets tough, and he's waiting. See, Come on, what, guys, say it. That's what that's what your son Nick needs to hear right now, so he can motivate himself to shoot the bar. Yeah, shoot the bar. Wisconsin black bar. You know, I was just telling my wife about that the other day, about how in Wisconsin there are so many bear now in Wisconsin. Dan. Where did they all? I mean, it's like we've always had bear in Wisconsin, but not easy, this many. Easy, Tom. How did they easy, like Tom. expand in population like crazy? <clears throat> Horny papa bear looks for in heat. <laughs> yeah, Horny okay. mama bear, boom. Yeah. Instant baby bears. Yeah, but we've never had this many. I mean, it's like, and and then, they, you know, how many tags are given out every year? About 6,000, and they shoot, what, three or 4,000? I forget, whatever I it is. I, I don't number. know. I, uh, but, uh, but we've got a lot more bear now than we ever have had. In, interesting. And then, you know, the last bear I did shoot, this is my Wisconsin bear story. And uh, I've got about four credits now. How many seconds? About 30 seconds. Okay, we got 30 seconds. <laughs> Never mind, everybody. <laughs> I can talk about that. Hey, if you go later, when you go to the website, yeah. what do you mean 30 seconds? You go rolling a minute past, and we just keep I never rolling. Do. You're setting I'm up a story never. for the top of the hour. Seconds and then... It's the top of the hour. Yeah, you were setting you up a story keep... for the top of the hour. Is that, that was what I was your, doing? Uh, your stinger. I, I, I hope, I've seen us go two minutes I hope, past. I hope you were I've setting up the story. I've seen us go three minutes past. All right. Okay, let's... At the top of the hour... Well, right now... We're going to talk s- about tiddlywinks yes. and hula hoops. No, about your... Stay tuned. Your pistol bear. Nah. All right. Never mind. It is now time for the sports update. With the immeasurable, the indomitable. Why are your arms up? I don't know. Because nobody can see me. traffic over there? Put your <laughs> with, arm down. You're losing friends. <laughs> with Evan Heffelfinger. Take it away, Evan. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Uh, <laughs> you're on the 
Crazy Train. Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Hey, good morning, folks. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. We got one more hour to go, one in the books, one to go. 799-1250 is the phone number if you want to get a hold of us. That's 414-799-1250. Got any questions or comments? You can always catch us at the Smokies Inbox by emailing us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Oh, yeah, we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. We get up early for you, and we appreciate you getting up early for I know it's not just for us. It's for whatever reason you have to get up early. Some people just have to get up early. You know, they got to go to work or something, do whatever. Uh, and they just happen to tune this, tune this in, and I appreciate it. Hey, anyway, we got a, we got an email here from Joe from Monaco. We've talked to Joe before in the past, Evan. And uh, he sends us a photo of awesome perch. Now, he didn't say where he was catching these perch. But he says uh, they've been having slow musky and bass bite. Uh, the water is still 66 degrees, he said. But then Joe also asks, he says, Tom, I have a copy of your book, Let's Go Fishing. If I ship it to you, will you sign it? Have a good show, guys. And Joe, yes, I will. And what I'll do is I'll email you back with my address, and you can send it to me. I'll sign. I'll do a nice inscription in there, and then I'll send it back to you. Or maybe I'll keep the darn thing. No, <laughs> I promise to send it back to you. But, yeah, those are some nice perch he uh, was catching. But you know what, Danny? He didn't yeah. tell us where he caught them. He won't let that info out. Those are dandies. Yeah, those are a mess of dandies. Mess of dandies. Yeah, those are dandy perch, yeah. But uh, they make a heck of a good fish fry, that's for sure. Have you? Were you out fishing this week, Tom? No. Okay. No, I was not. Um uh, we were going to go Sunday, but my son didn't want to go because of the Packers being on. And, and I says, they're not on till noon. Sun up is, what, around quarter to 7? I said, we get out there by 6.30. We get off the water at 10. You'll be back in plenty of time. But he was afraid that he was going out with some people to watch the game someplace. And he says, well, I'm afraid I'd fall asleep during the game or something. So, oh, my goodness. So I was, oh, I was goodness. out on Sunday. I had a couple guys out on, uh, on, the, on Pewaukee, and I was out trolling for muskies and uh sometimes things work out like on cue it's just yeah. funny like because we were trolling along and i've got a a, a gps point okay marked on a spe- specific spot where uh years ago i remember uh dr sandy was fishing with me and it, it was our first trolling fish of the summer and as soon as it hit i just entered the waypoint right we caught a 38-inch muskie there. Well, over the years, I've caught a lot of fish, but I've got that point right there. So I was going over it, and just as I'm hitting the waypoint, I look down at the locator. I see these schools of bait fish on the bottom right underneath, and I make the comment. I said, okay, guys, right here, we got the waypoint. We got the bait fish on, the, and just rip, 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 even before I could finish the sentence. Really? Fish, smack, yeah. That was pretty cool. Right on cue. Wow. And we lost it at the boat. 
Oh no! Yeah, it jumped out of the water, and there it was. Gone. It's amazing how 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 fish can get off a hook. You know, I mean, you know, a lot of lures that we use have two or three treble hooks on them. How do they get off of the darn thing? Sometimes it's like, my goodness. Well, I think a lot of the ones that you lose, as far as muskies, is sometimes they'll kind of take a swipe. Yeah. And they'll just just catch the back hook. Yeah. Sometimes they get hooked right in the side where I think they're. They're actually maybe not taking it into their mouth. They're kind of swiping at yeah. it with their head, you know, aggressively. Or, or they do miss it. Or they know? miss it. They just, or they try to grab well, it, but miss it. Well, from what I understand, yeah. it, I don't know if this is true, but I heard something when they open their mouth that wide mm-hmm. to engulf, that for a second, there it kind of... They can't. Well, oh yeah, they I told you see. that. Yeah, yeah. Were you the one that told yeah, me that it, it takes they, away their vision? They cannot see what's directly in front of them when they open their mouth because their eyeballs are on the side of their heads. Right. And when they open up that mouth, right. In, same thing with pike. They cannot see what's right in front of them. So when they're coming to attack a lure, whether it be a topwater bucktail or whatever, or your crankbait when you're trolling, when when they're coming and they're about to attack it, it's they're they're basically taking an angle of attack at it. All right. And a lot of times if we slow down or speed up, when they've got their mouth open, they kind of lose it. You know, they right. lose where it is and they miss it. But but they can miss it, yeah. Right. I mean, muskies, years ago, one of the fallacies was uh, we were always told, if a muskie wants your lure, he's going to get it. That's not always true. Sometimes the, they miss it. You know? The other interesting thing, yeah. too, is um, muskies, you always envision them attacking or a pike directly from behind. And I have seen them engulf a lure. Oh, yeah, like sometimes, that. yeah. But a lot of times, what they like to do is swim up, get parallel with it, and take it. They take T-bone it. it. T-bone it. Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh, yep. One of the coolest things I ever had happen I was up with Scott Olson up in um, Lake of the Woods. Mm-hmm. And he was at the back of the boat, and somehow I launched a cast in front of him. And I was bringing the bait back, and he saw this muskie coming in behind it. He says, You got one coming. And he, he said it was really cool. It would swim behind. It would swim alongside it, go up alongside, then drop back behind, then sw- swoop out alongside, drop back behind, just like a fighter huh. plane yeah, kind of yeah, coming yeah. on up and back. And then I knew it was coming in hot. I had a top rater. I went down immediately into a fast turn on a figure eight, and it nailed it. Yeah. Then that one jumped out of the you know uh-huh. and, and through the hook as well. But you yeah, know, they try and nail it from the side. You know, muskies can be very delicate creatures too. Uh, I remember I was fishing. Uh, you mean like sensitive? No, delicate in like how they, sometimes they grab lures viciously. Yeah. And sometimes they, they, they don't grab them real viciously. Kind of like they, a bass, yeah, just like they a just, tick. They kind of like just suck it in, you know. They just assume it as it's going along. Assume. Yes. Well, anyway, my son and I, my oldest son and I, we were fishing at the World Muskie Hunt up in Monaco. And I was really in a bucktail, and I always put a, tw- a, a split-tail trailer on the back of my bucktails get that little action, always white ones, you know, on the back. And I was reeling in, and I'd feel a tick, you know, after I the, the lure landed, the bucktail landed, I started retrieving, and I'm feeling a tick, 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 you know, and I'm thinking, oh, those got to be bluegills nipping at that little split-tail trailer. And as it gets closer to the boat, it's a darn musky right behind it, you know, nipping at that little split-tail trailer, just nipping at it. You could see it coming in. Well, I did went to, into the figure eight, and it went away, and, and we cast it there for a little bit, and then we did the comeback method, and you know all about that. Right, right. So we, we were fishing a different area for about 15, 20 minutes. We went back to that same area, and I put on a different lure. I put on a – it was like a minnow imitating lure. Okay. And uh, that was before uh, Bill Schwartz. 
had his uh, slammers. slammers, yeah. You Otherwise, would, I'd have been using one of his. But anyway, had like a Jake or a Grandma yeah. or no, a it crane. was uh, a pose. Pose, pose, uh, yeah, pose. Uh, the wood. Pose. Oh, they, they yeah. made a crankbait. Back oh, in yeah, the day? they. Oh, well, they made a lot of crankbaits, but they made also some bigger minnow imitators. Right. You know? They weren't real big. They were maybe six, seven inches. Well, anyway, so I put on one of those and started retrieving it in that same area, and God, and I don't know if it's the same fish or not, but I caught it. You know, it was about a thirty-eight incher, yeah, and caught it off of that same area. So, like I said, I think it might have been the same fish, Probably. but I don't know if I've it was seen, or not. Uh, I've got a, uh, it's a bucktail. You probably have seen them, the, the in, inhaler yeah, bucktail. Yeah, inhalers, yeah. Yeah, Steve Milliot turned me on to that years ago in a tournament he and I were at when he was nailing fish. But it's got that little teaser blade on the yeah, back. Yeah, it's got a blade, yeah. I have had times when muskies, I'd feel a tick. Yeah. And just like you, all of a sudden I'd come in, I'd see the muskie right behind it. Yeah. I know what they're doing. They're nipping at that yeah, little. Yeah, it's amazing how delicate they can be, you know? It just come up and, like, make I had a, a tail end, you know? I had I had a big. Uh, I had about a forty-five incher on Lake of the Woods years ago, and uh, every time we'd go into this little bay, we'd see this fish. And sure enough, we go in there, come back the next. You know, I put a bobby bait on, and here it comes. And each twitch of the bobby bait, I'd go to twitch it, it would come up and nip. I, I, you know, I jerk it, it would come and nip, and it just come in. Yeah. But it wouldn't commit and just grab it. It yeah. was just kind of like. Nipping at the back of it. Nipping at the back end. It's weird. It's just weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes fish, you know, it. if those fish ever read the same books we've read, well, then we'd be in, you know, but uh, <laughs> but they right. don't. They do their own thing. That's why, That's why. like when we said before, you know, you can't outthink a fish because they don't think. And they're going to they're gonna do things that sometimes you just scratch your head and go, why are they doing that now? You know, it's like, what's, what, what is going on, you know? Right. So, anyway. But it, that's why fishing is like hunting almost, especially musky fishing. It's like hunting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going in the right spots, using the right things. Well, boy, oh, boy. I, you know, that's, that's, I guess that's the difference, I think, between maybe a musky fisherman um, and someone who just fishes for other species where you mm-hmm. catch a lot of stuff. A musky fisherman has to have a different mindset. Yeah. You got to be willing to think you're going to go out there and you know what? I might not catch anything today. you might not see anything yeah. yeah and but you still enjoy it it's the yeah. uh it's the quest it's, it's the hunt it's, yeah the it's, quest it's a challenge it's, it's the pursuit yeah it's you know i think you know in fishing if there's no challenge it gets uninteresting after a while you know it's like uh, i've talked to people well i've even had people in the boat on the fox river i've told it before where a guy got bored of catching walleyes after two hours because it was almost every cast he got bored, and I've heard of people going to Canada uh, in certain areas where, where they're literally getting a fish on every cast, and after a while, there's no challenge anymore. It's, like, boring, you know? I mean, it's no big deal, you know? I mean, so, but with musky fishing, yeah, it's a challenge, you know? And you might not see one for days, you know? Or, or Ron Heidenreich was up in Canada, and he told me that they had some just some horrendous weather up there uh, last weekend. Lake of the Woods? Uh, I don't know if it was Vermilion Eagle? or Lake of the Woods. It was one of those three. Okay. But they had the high winds, the rain. You know, They had what Nick was having when he was bear hunting. So anyway, and he said, yeah, that, uh, fishing wasn't that great or catching wasn't that great. But they were still out. You know, they were still out in it. The high winds kind of kept them, you know, in the cottage for a while. You know, speaking of high winds... Um one tip to our listeners out there. I was talking to a gal I work with this week, 
And her husband had one of these deluxe couple thousand dollar, you know, those fully enclosed elevated blinds that they sell now. I mean, you can buy them for like a couple thousand dollars and they're like, They've got sliding windows. It's a and circular all. thing. Circular, yeah. yeah. And you put Sal's them, got one put of those. Up. Yeah. Right. Uh, apparently, guy, her husband had it get blown over in the big wind. Okay. They got blown over in the big wind. <clears throat> insurance covered it. Really? Yeah. He took out a rider on his homeowner's insurance on the okay. thing and got the whole, you know, got a brand new, uh, brand new blind replaced. All he had to maybe pay his $100, $200 deductible. So I thought, you know, that's a good tip for a lot of our listeners out there, like a Sal of the world. Yeah. Uh, You've got those, if you got some of those expensive blinds, maybe it's worth throwing it on your homeowner's insurance as a rider, probably just be a couple bucks. Yeah, it wouldn't be much. And you'd have it covered. Yeah, because- I never thought that something like that could get covered. Yeah, and and, you know, and I never really thought that maybe a high wind could blow one down, but I guess it can. (laughs) <laughs> never, I guess it can. Never underestimate Mother Nature. Yeah. Well, we got to take a quick break, folks. Stay tuned for more. We're happy that you are. Trust me, we really are. Uh, he's Dan Bush. I'm happy Tom Newbauer. I'm happy that you are listening. I'm yes. Okay. I'm happy that you're you, you happy didn't too. Come, you didn't. You said happy that you are. Yeah. Like, listening. Like well, that's what I meant. Happy that yeah. you are. Meditating. I should have met it. Never ended a, a sentence like that. <laughs> right. Shouldn't do that. We needed the past participle to go with the pre-participle. <laughs> you can what, do see you, I teach what do you English, think about eh? that, Evan? You better go. <laughs> I, I have an English minor from oh, UWM. Oh, you do? So, yeah. so, hey, so, you know the so, 10 parts of speech. So you can, Sure. Yeah, yeah, my buddy Mr. Lidke taught me that years yeah. ago. He might be listening now. So you can and always parts of speech. When we come back, us you got to share those with me. us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to share it with wanna, us? You want to educate a bunch of sodbuster hunters and fishermen? <laughs> that sounds like a fantastic idea. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with Evan Heffelfinger and more right here on the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds <laughs> Cutting Edge Outdoors. And uh, what time is it, Tom? You know, that, what is it about? What do we got? About another half 21, hour? 621. 620. 621. 721. 721. Seven, excuse me. Seven. Our clocks pretty soon will be changed back to the correct time. So I've got a... Uh, 721. I've got a good story, Tom. Yes. You had your... Well, they're all good stories. Yeah, your, your son's beating story about how people started talking and scared his Wisconsin black bar away. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother went out last Saturday. I think it was opening day for bow season. Yeah. And, yeah, it was. Yeah. And he's up hunting near Oshkosh, and he had, a, uh, he had about an eight-point come in. And but it wasn't a real huge one, and he's shot enough eight points. He's had his has one ten pointer on his trail mm-hmm. cam, and he videotaped that, I guess. But then right before dark, it was really cool. Three bucks came in together, and I think the middle one was the ten pointer. Mm. Now it wasn't the ten pointer he had on video; it was a different ten pointer. 
and it finally like turned broadside. He said that uh, he started to, you know, like probably yank the release on the bow where he he caught himself, mm-hmm. and he steadied steadied himself and just released. He said it, he drilled it perfect. Uh, he called me all pumped up from his tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I was in Madison at the time. He called me all fired up. He says, I think I hit it perfect. It ran. It dropped about 70 yards, but I'm going to leave it for a couple hours, go back, get my buddy, and come back. And they came back, and they found that the deer had uh, had laid down once, got up, ran about 20 yards, and died in its tracks. He got it. Ten-pointer, mm-hmm. first day of season. Season's done. That's the way to do it. That's awesome. And it, yeah. let me tell you, he hit it with one of those rage broadheads. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, man. Does that mm-hmm. does that do some? It you know, messes them up. Oh my gosh! You know. Now was that a a, a big antlers or a small basket or? Oh, no, it's nice. Antlers. It was a nice one. So. Yeah, it's a, it a dandy. Yeah, because that not that, a monster, but no, but it's still, still a darn nice, nice, mature buck. Nice animal. So yeah, Good season. That's the way to start the season. But then he spent the whole next day on Sunday cutting it up, and he does it all himself. Yeah, yeah. not me. I no. just drop it off. <laughs> Take it over to Carl's Country Meats, and boy, let me tell you what. Carl's Country Meats made the greatest barbecue sticks last year. I know. we got to get more this year. Oh, my gosh. Well, I guess you can get them any time of year. You know what? I got a, I got some steak and burger left in my freezer. I'm tempted to drive it over and say, hey, can you just take this meat bar- and just make barbecue sticks? <laughs> I'll bet he could. Oh, sure. Why not? It's, <laughs> it's Paul. That's yeah, a, Paul. If I go over there and say, hey, Paul. Can you just take hey, this Paul. stuff and make a bunch of those sticks? That's if Paul. That stuff is so addictive. Hey, that's not if Paul, who who runs Carl's, he's Carl's son. Carl's retired, so Paul runs Carl's Country Market there in Menominee Falls. But as long as he's not hunting or fishing, which he does a lot of, you know, you probably got to call first just to make sure he's there. You know, Ser- I'm hey, serious because you know, he is gone a lot. You know, well, not I don't know how much he's gone, but he does do a lot of hunting and fishing. And he's got those mounts up at the in the in the gas station, right? You know, so he he does do quite a bit of that. Anyway, and so, his dad used to as well, oh, right? He got that. Carl had a small V-hull aluminum boat. I don't think it was more than sixteen feet; could have been less. And I'd see him every now and then. I saw him once in a while. When I, it wasn't that often when I was down on Lake Michigan, but once in a while, when I was there, when we'd be pitch, fishing for perch. Right. I'd see Carl going out in this little boat with a little tiller, you know, motor, going out and you and because of the waves you'd see him, you wouldn't see him. You'd see him, you really? wouldn't see him. And he'd be going out and it's like, That man's crazy, I thought. And I didn't know it was Carl from Carl's Country Market at okay. first. I didn't know it was him. And I was telling somebody about that and they said, Oh yeah, that's Carl. He goes out there all the time. Oh, yeah, because he was I heard he was big yeah. into the salmon yeah. fishing and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and maybe he got a bigger boat later on. I don't know, but well, I remembered season. a couple times I did see him. It was a small boat, and I would have been nowhere near that water with that little boat. Nowhere. Uh-uh. Well, they, I told you before, they do such a fantastic job on smoking fish. So oh, yeah. anybody who is going right now into the rivers and streams trying to get that fall salmon run, uh, take them over to Carl's and get them smoked. Because they say later in the fall they're not as good anyway. Just mm-hmm. get them smoked, so yeah. they start kind of turning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take it over there. You know the the brown trout run should be starting as soon as we get some cooler weather. The uh, you know starting in the harbor. 
the Lake Michigan reports I've read all year long from the DNR fish surveys where they survey the boat anglers mm-hmm. coming into the ramps and they talk to the guys on the piers. I haven't heard read a good report I know, all me neither. year long. That's why I'm saying as soon as we get some cooler weather, those browns should be in the harbor. It just now I, I used to hammer them in that Kenosha harbor, and uh, now I never hear reports of any. They yeah. say anglers are down there, but they're not catching anything. Right. Maybe I gotta go back, come out of retirement, and head down to the Kenosha harbor mm. to so, show those local yokels how to do it. The other thing too is that not too far away, as soon as we start getting some heavier rains, when it's cooler. And heavier rains, those salmon will be coming up the streams, so they'll be in the harbor too. And well, they're you know? the, I guess they're jumping in the Kenosha Harbor right now, but not too many people were getting them. We used to use yeah. night crawlers right on the bottom. Yeah, that Seems would work. to me we might have used the marshmallows yeah. too. And I think yeah. the, the hottest bait is, is spawn sacks. So from what I hear, yeah, spawn, spawn sacks. sacks are great. You know. But you can use golden shiners too. And then we'd we'd open the bale yeah. and wrap the wrap the uh, uh, line around a soda can, yeah. empty soda can in the dark. So when the fish hit, it'd start taking line and it would tip the can over and yep. you'd hear king king king. Hey, I got a short story for you on you know the 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 break wall. Okay, one time years ago, I was doing a TV show uh, on the break wall, and I was with two DNR fisheries biologists, Lake Michigan fisheries biologists, all right? So it's the camera crew, me, and these two biologists. And we had we had cane poles just hanging out over the side, straight down over the side of the wall. You know, we took our boats out there, and then we were hanging the, the lines down, and we'd be catching perch, you know, not not monsters, those eight, nine inches, you know, mainly. Right. And uh, we'd be catching some. And I was sitting next to, well, one uh, uh, Matt Kafaro was one guy, really good guy, Matt Kafaro. The other guy was Paul something. I can't remember his last name. But anyway, and this Paul guy, all of a sudden, his cane pole just shot right off the dock. I mean, we're sitting there, and it just right out into the harbor. And I and he says, oh, my God, there's something on it. And there's a fish jumping out in front of it, and the cane pole's going around in circles and whatever. So him and I, we crawl down into my boat, and we start chasing it, all right? Now, I got close, and so I put on the electric motor, but it, we finally got caught up to it, and he grabbed the pole. Now, it's something like a 12-foot cane pole, one-piece cane pole, okay? And he's holding on to it, and I'm trying to follow this thing and going back and forth and back and forth. Finally, we got close enough, and he, he worked it over, grabbed the line, he caught himself a real nice uh, brown trout. I forget how big it was. Maybe about a five, six, seven pounder. It was a decent right. fish, you know. But it was just the funniest thing. You know that thing that 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 cane pole just zipped right off the the wall, and then we had to chase it, and we were around. And I don't know how that thing stayed hooked. You know, I mean, because nothing's pulling on it except. Cane right. pole in the wall. How did it stay hooked? I don't know. And it was jumping out. Of, I mean, as a matter of fact, we had footage of it jumping out of the water, chasing the cane pole. It was really good. It was a, cool. It was a, it was kind of a funny thing to happen, you know, that could happen, you know. So anyway, it's uh, 7.30, time to take a break, and uh, we'll let Evan take care of that. Uh, Bushy, you got anything before we go into break? You want to tease anything? Um, Guaranteed tactics for something? Uh, yeah, I'm going to ask you about a bait when we come back. Okay, we'll talk baits when we come back right here on the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors.
Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. And there, my friends, is some of the greatest guitar playing ever. I thought you were going to say welcome back to the post-game report. The Bayview Shade and Blind Baseball <laughs> post-game greatest, show with Tim Allen. Greatest rock and roll ever. Oh, goodness. There's goodness. some guitar playing. Yeah. So, anyway, we're going to we're gonna bring up lures, baits, something yes. like that, right? Uh, yeah. Let's talk, let's the, talk different uh, lures. Do you know anything about a shiver minnow? Yes. Okay. That's what uh, one of our <laughs> listeners wants to know about the shiver minnow. Because I keep hearing on the Bay of Green Bay, and I think Ron yeah. Johnson was yeah. the one who was telling me, they're going out and they're working, not just trolling for those muskies out of Okano and stuff, but they're, they're getting out there casting shiver minnow, and I think uh, getting big perch on them too. The shiver minnows are, okay, in ice fishing, have you ever seen the Rapala? I forget what it's called. It's got the little plastic tail on the back end. And it's got a hook coming out the front and a treble hook, a single hook coming out the nose, treble hook in the middle, and it's got that little clear plastic tail on an angle yes. in the back. Yes, that's a shiver minnow. That's a shiver minnow. That's it. I mean, it's something that you use for ice fishing. That's been made it's for years. Yeah, made by Rapala. Yeah. Now I don't know who makes the shiver minnow, if Rapala makes it or not. That I don't know. So for these sure. guys are they directly vertical and, jigging? Yep, do you think? Yep. Vertical jigging, you lift it up, kind of like you would a blade bait. You know, you lift it up, let it wiggle on down, lift it up, and then it'll it'll dart off kinda left like and a right. Lure type thing. Yeah, it'll 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 dart off too to different angles and sides. Well, you know? I suppose yeah. you could do do casts with it and sure. pop it up sure. off the bottom as you sure. work it back. Yeah, yeah there you go. Could. That's a shiver minnow. I think uh, Greg yeah. wanted to know that. So and, uh, so now I got to go out and buy some shiver minnows. Yeah, we got a. a Okay. You got another email we hot got a, off the press? We got, a we got another e- perch report, email but they don't from, tell us where the perch... Oh, we got from, a phone call, too. Okay. Yeah, J.H. Uh, says, we are marking it fish... It happens at once here. Yeah, it says, and this is about salmon. It says, we are marking fish in the harbor up by us, but not mad enough for biting. Your bite is behind us, so be patient, Tex. Oh, it's from Tex. Tex. Oh, hey, Tex. He said, okay, so they're marking fish in the harbor... But they're not mad enough to bite, so the bite is a little behind because probably because of the warm weather. So he says, "Be patient." Tex okay. says, "Be patient." This is probably and by I, Ogoma or Kiwani. I'm thinking. Yeah. Tex, I hope I, you know he must be listening now. So Tex, I hope you heard my explanation of the gobies. That uh, I hope you heard it. If you didn't, uh, email me with your phone number, and I'll call you and tell you. Either that or go on the podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, we got somebody on the line right now. Yeah, we've got Mark in Milwaukee, and you're on the fan. What's up, Mark? Hey, good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mark. Hey, guys. Mark from Smokies. How you doing? Oh, oh Mark from Smokies. Thanks. Oh, the man, the myth, the legend there. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't moved the shop to Milwaukee. Um, okay. <laughs> Danny, we have shiver minnows at the Muskie shop here. Oh, you do? Hey, you got shiver minnows. Really? And they work. And they work quite well. We're just hoping... My personal experience is these walleyes need to grow up a little bit first. Okay. So you guys are selling them there for guys that are chasing walleyes on Pewaukee. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, here I've got uh, the half-ouncers. Okay. That seems to be adequate for the depth here. Um, I bought some one-ouncers for myself for Door County. That's in, uh, you know, if you're fishing like 35, 45 feet of water. Okay. One ounce is good, but... Uh, half ounces here work just fine. Well, it sounds like the half ounce would be good if you're like on some ten foot deep reef or something like that. Um, that and even I'm fishing them as deep as twenty five. You are. 
character. Yeah. And and are you just vertical? Or are you casting them? Um, generally just vertical. Yeah. How you know, about? If, find a pot of fish and drop it down over the top of them. And, so they work good for smallies as well. Uh they might. I I've caught more smallies on that uh, jerk minnow. Oh yeah. Oh, you bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the walleyes, yeah, they found that. Uh, they found that shiver minnow pretty good. What's nice about the shiver minnow versus it's it's very similar to the Rapala jig and wrap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but, the name uh, of it. I couldn't think of the name, Mark. That away. Yeah, All right, yeah. <laughs> jig and wrap. And the jig and wrap, the Rapala jig and wrap, or the shiver minnow's got a little bit more substantial hook on the back end of it. Okay. It does not have a hook on the front. Right. Of it. Right. Um, if, if you're up in Door County where all the zebra mussels are, and you bang the bottom with that Rapala with the hook on the front, you got all you're doing is picking up zebra mussels. Yeah. I normally cut the, I've been cutting the front hook off the uh, jig and wrap. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and that works that way. But uh, yeah, so yeah, they work pretty nice out here. Uh, just wanted to say, muskie fishing had been really good up until the, <laughs> the water started warming back up here. Um, there were a number of 49s and a couple of 50s caught in the past couple of weeks. Um, we do have suckers in the shop now. And people yeah. are looking for them. So, yeah, what's uh, with this crazy weather, Mark? First it starts cooling down, now it starts warming up again. You I know, know yeah. jeez. The water was back up to 73 degrees. Um, oh, wow. And the other thing, the other thing that, um, don't forget about the John Lehman Three Charlies Memorial Tournament. October 19th is the date for that. Oh, yeah. And they can pick up entry forms over at Smokey's Muskie Shop, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Same program as it's been just about every year. I think the fishing hours are like 7 to 3 or 7 to 3.30, something like that. $150 per boat, uh, two-man teams. Hey, Mark, you mentioned a couple of big muskies caught. Were they getting them casting weed edges, uh, live bait, or what were they doing? Um, Casting. Casting, okay. And uh, I think a lot of it kind of, you know, what did we have a full moon about a week and a half ago? Something yeah. That seemed to trigger some of it. And, and then, uh, like I said, I think, you know, a week and a half, two weeks ago, the water temp was 69. Right. Uh, you know, and it was starting to drop, which I don't know if those muskies kind of, you know, if that kind of lets them start putting a feed bag on. But, yeah, no, it's, uh, it'll be interesting today. We've got, uh, you know, the Wednesday night club has got a little tournament going on here today um, so it'll be interesting to see how they do you know, with this it's been the last couple of days it's, it's been tough gotcha gotcha well that's well, a good report mark bound to get better mark bound it to get will. better it will and uh yeah we just uh just remember we always have cold beer over here <laughs> all right mark and ice cream now <laughs> and ice cream yeah. yeah ice cream all right we'll talk to you later mark Take care, man. See ya. Bye now. That was uh, Mark. Mark the Sanks. A.K.A. Sanks. (laughs) Sanks, yeah. Really good fisherman. From Smokey's Musky Bait and Tackle Shop out there on Pewaukee Lake. It's a great thing. We can get expert advice here Mm -hmm. from our network. They're part of our network. Yeah, Sanks, uh, years ago, Sanks was the guy who turned me on to Bondi Baits years ago. Yeah. Because he'd go out and he'd be, he'd he'd just go out and find the... Mm-hmm. Find the schools of bait fish and then just just jig that bondy bait right over them, and uh, he was doing well with it. Yeah. There's still guys doing that. Oh yeah, but I don't 
see as many guys. Not as much. It seemed like it was hot for a while. It really hit a craze where yeah. everybody and their brother wanted to go out there and uh Yeah, I just don't have the patience to sit there yerking my jerk and just going up and down with yeah. that uh bondy bait. I yeah. uh I just get I I just uh get bored so I I troll. Yeah. But it's supposed to be a great way. Well, I told you my brother and I almost won that tournament when he in the pouring rain when he caught a 48-and-a-half-incher on a bondy bait yeah, in right, seven yeah, feet of water, yeah, just seven ripping feet it of, up and down in the weeds. In seven feet of water. And just hammered What's it. What's the matter with your brother? He That's not made for seven feet of well, water. Well, <laughs> I was, you know, I'm in a pouring rain. I kept looking back at him. This was on like, Namakagan. what are you doing back there? Namakagan years ago. And I'm sitting in the front of the boat casting, covering water like rapid fire because it's a big money tournament. And I'm looking back at him thinking, I wish he quit wasting his time jerking that stupid bondy bait because obviously you're just going up and down with your drift, just yeah. covering. I'm covering more water, per right, se, right, casting. Right, right, And then he says, I got one. I turned back, and, and I looked at him. And, his, and then I, I was in a daze. I turned around to make another cast like yeah. I didn't. And then I thought, what? wait a second, his rod's doubled yeah, over. What? He's got one. I did the stupidest net job on that fish, Tom. He just horsed it straight on oh. up. So I took the net. Now the boat is drifting, right, yeah. kind of on top of the fish. Oh, no. As I, and I got him half in. But I didn't have the tail in, so I'm leaning over the side of the boat, got down. I got my left arm down to my shoulder, almost in the water, and scooped the tail. You pushed the into tail the back net. into it. Oh. That was the old expert guide net well, job. Let me tell you, but it worked. God dang yeah, it, we got you, the fish. You got it. Hey, sometimes you just got to do what hey, you got to do. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll yeah. go overboard. I'll uh, someday. I'll tell you. I guess uh, yeah. Someday I'll tell you the story about when I fell in the harbor and almost drowned catching a brown trout. Oh jeez. Yeah. Me too. That's well, another I didn't story. Fall in. Story. We got lots of stories. We got Tom. stories. As a matter of fact. When we come back, I got a story on how, you know, we talked about windy days and it's tough to fish in the wind. I got a, you know, I can tell you something about how you can make the wind work for you. We'll be right back with more. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Evan Heffelfinger sitting in on the boards today. And we'll be right back here on the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thank goodness we got Mr. Heffelfinger with us today because he reminded me that we forgot to do the NFL football picking contest. So call 799-1250 right now. The NFL football picking contest is brought to you by Curly's Waterfront Pub right there on Pewaukee Lake. Beautiful place, excellent music, nice people, good place to go to. And just remember that the prize contests on this on the Cutting Edge Outdoors are the sole responsibility of the Cutting Edge Outdoors radio show and its sponsors. Any questions or comments should be directed to CEOguys at yahoo.com. And then when you're ready, Evan, you got to tell us who you got on the line and who's going to play, and uh, we'll tell them the point spread. So all you got to do are is we tie us or beat us. Are we just picking one game now? Yep, just one game. That's all we're doing now, and I'm keeping track of it. I'm keeping track. You're keeping track. I'm keeping track, yep, of who's got what. You know, so I keep track of your your end of your tally, my end of your tally, the producer's end of your tally, and the callers. Well, we've only had one week so far, right? Yeah, and you're one down. I'm 0 and 1. <laughs> you're, no, you're 1 and 1 because oh. the first week you had the Packers. Oh, I did? Yeah. 
Okay. So well, you're one and one. one. I'm two and oh. I you know we used to pick four games. Yeah, we or used more. to do four. Well, I that's, remember the one year I I won the whole thing. That yeah. was a year of glory I, for me. Then I, the next year I, I was bottom I did of the one, pile. No, I I won one year. You won one year. We tied one year, and then the and, producer uh, won one year. Want to know? John who never won. <laughs> John never came close. I don't think a guy could pick worse than what John did. Yeah. All right. Who do you got there? Even if they tried. Who do we we've got? got Paul. We've got Paul. Hey, good morning, Paul. Hey, good morning. Yeah, boy, we forgot that. I, f- I forgot all about it. Thank goodness Evan remembered it. Good job. I thought maybe you didn't do it because of that last week when you had <laughs> two of them. I really screwed up, yeah, last week. But right. anyway, okay, but we've we've got it cleared now. So the point spread is Packers by seven. They're giving seven points to Denver. Who do you like? I always go with the Packers. All right, but I'm going to tell you right now that the no-name bookie, I called him right during the break, the no-name bookie says that he thinks this is a trap game, but he's still going to go with the Packers. Didn't he say that last week? No, last week he picked the Vikings and he was wrong. (laughs) So, Danny, who do you have? Uh, I think the Packers are going to have a breakout game and win by at least Uh, 10 points. I got to take part in the fans' prediction video for the first time, and I said Packers 27-14, so I'm going to stick with that. All right, and I'm going to take the Packers, too. So, basically, Paul, you won. Uh, hey, it's always good to be when, a lucky. When, it's like when, third grade soccer. Everybody yeah. gets a trophy. Yeah, but uh, the only way a, a, a contestant could almost the only way a contestant could lose, Paul, is if us three bet one way and the contestant bent the other way. That's the only way they could lose. I think the over under is like forty one, and you I, mentioned twenty seven fourteen would be, that's what would be or, Evan yeah did. would be forty one. And yeah. I was debating with the guy at when I was sitting at the Park Avenue Pizza the other day whether we should go with the over or under on that one. Yeah. I don't know. Did they have any thoughts when you were uh, sitting with? Hey, your... Paul. Yep. Th- thank you very much. All right, bye now. All right, care, bye. Paul. Okay, go ahead. I would probably go with the under here. Um, That's what everybody the, was the saying. The Broncos' defense is very underrated. The Packers' defense so far has been one of the best in the league. Um, Packers' offense, we've seen the flashes, but we right. haven't seen the consistency, and the Broncos' offense is a dumpster fire. Joe but Flacco is way too old to be Here's my prediction. What's your prediction? My buddy? prediction is the Packers will get two interceptions, at least two, because I watched that Denver game last week against the Bears, which was a crazy ending. Yeah, that, that one. was just Oof. you. Did, did you see the ending of that game, Danny? That was nuts. I mean, uh, how, how did it they go? They gave the Bears like three gifts in the last minute. Yeah, and, and it was like they, they the Bears take the lead, okay, or they had the lead. Then, you know, Denver comes down the field, kick a field goal, take the lead with what thirty second, thirty six seconds. It was like less than a minute. Yeah, it was. I think it was thirty some seconds. They make two passes. Kick a fifty-eight-yard field goal to win the game. Well, it was set up. Was there was crazy. a there was a bad roughing the passer yeah. call. Oh, that was and terrible. And then the clock ran out. Yeah. But they gave him one second left yeah. on the clock with the timeout and they yeah. kicked the field it, goal. It, it, was it, it one of those where they did, the defensive guy just touches the no he, quarterback shoulder pad? They it was call it a roughing. as he threw as it. As he's he throwing, he's getting him. hit, and I mean, it, and he's not getting hit with a helmet or nothing. He's getting hit with a yeah. shoulder. Guy's wrapping him up. To be fair, the Bears did get called for. Pretty much the exact same thing earlier in the game, but last minute of the game oh, to call that, that it's bad. just it's brutal. It's kind of like what happened with the Packers, you know, when when uh, what's his name uh, Clay Matthews when, when last Matthews year got hit for, uh, that, that Vikings sh- game. We should have yeah, won. That, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, th- those those late hit things are are terrible. 
why they why they call those. Well, you know, you know the do. only reason. Jeez. It, you know, the reason you got some of these quarterbacks now being able, uh, you know, to play into their 40s yeah. as long as they are, like even Brady now is. Yeah. He, it, the, the game was pretty rough when he started. They were still, still uh, you know, getting some heavy hits. But nowadays they're so easy on the quarterbacks compared to years ago where they used to just get pounded oh, all the time. Oh, goodness me, yes. The legs and knees of those quarterbacks and the backs, that I mean, that played worst, years ago. The worst call ever, though. One of the worst calls was the infamous tuck rule when oh, Brady <laughs> gets tackled so and fumbled by the. That's they won their first but Super was, Bowl that year against the Rams. That they they were they actually changed that rule years later where it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I, I didn't know. even realize that. But the tuck rule, I mean, a fumble's a fumble. Exactly. Yeah, that was the worst call. I I swear that's where they had the craft was paying off people. <laughs> Either well, either that, either that, or uh, uh, the NFL was being run by some uh, I don't gangster know, the, in the, the prison in Indiana. You know, I it, don't know. It, it, it always seems like the Patriots get the benefit of the doubt oh, in goodness. pretty much everything. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was just a shame. That yep. was uh, that. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, but there was a crazy ending last week. And I, when I watched the, the Denver, when I watched Flacco, He's El Flobo. No. He used to he, be good. You know, he I was won a tell, Super Bowl. Yeah, I was telling Evan earlier, he would be a good backup quarterback, but not for what he's making now. Give the guy, you know, two, three million dollars. You got a good, you know, quality backup quarterback that you can, you know, count on not to hopefully lose a game, you know. I mean, he'd be a good backup it's quarterback. Funny that, but it's funny that Elway, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, can't draft himself. He can't find a, a quarterback of his life dependent on it. He can't. And and even when he he just Peyton Manning was just a rental unit to just manage the game without yeah. screwing it up. When he had that great defense exactly. and won the Super Bowl, yeah. Peyton Manning was just the game manager. He wasn't Peyton Manning anymore. Right. Um. And and since that time, you know, he just got somebody. Heck, he had Tim Tebow there that got him into the playoffs like the year before that. Because uh, of the defense again. Yeah, had they yeah. had a great quarterback, holy cow, they really would have been unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, it's it, yeah. So it, now he can't. He can't find somebody. How many quarterbacks has he gone through since Peyton Manning? I mean, there's got to be a litany They've of them. They've had some number one uh, picks, quite a bit. Like yeah. they drafted Paxton Lynch, they signed Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum, uh, now Joe Flacco. They drafted Drew Locke. Yeah, there there's a, a couple more, and that's in like. Three, four years. Yeah, they had a bunch of them, and none of them are working out. Even though they still have a good defense, you know, it's not what it used to be, but it's still good. You know, I mean, they still got uh, what's that guy Chubb and uh, what's the other guy's name? Von Miller. Von Miller. You know, they still got those awesome guys on the on the line, defensive line. But yeah, they're just uh, Case Keenum. Uh, that always reminds me of that top forty countdown guy. Oh, Casey Keenum. Was it Casey Keenum? Was that what I, it's Casey? It's Casey. I don't think it was Keenum. Keenum. I think it was like Casey Kane or something. Casey. Every time I hear that, something like this that. guy's name, yeah. I think Casey. of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, so I'm going to – well, everybody's going to be watching the Badger game at 11 o'clock today against Michigan. You know what? What? I never did get to my bear story. Oh, Danny. Never get to the bear story. Well, we, I guess why there's is always it, next week. You know, we do that a lot, Evan. We 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 tease a segment that we're going to talk we're about, talk the about next, this, then and then we, we miss, then we forget it. about it, and well, then right I at think... the end you go, oh shoot, I forgot. Okay, well, next week. I had week. somebody listen all last week wanting to hear about the shiver yeah. minnow, and they never heard it. So, so I think I got that straight yeah. now. So Danny, next week, 
we're gonna do that second bear. Maybe, story. maybe not. Uh, we, we might forget. Yeah. Well. Well, I I don't have anything more for right now, but uh, next week I will. That's is Dallas for heute. That's all I got. Yeah. To all the listeners, thanks for listening, and God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. God bless. Get out. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you all next week. Like You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.